0: Welcome to Fiery Discourse, your podcast and media featuring dragonesses, female dinosaurs, and other similar saurians and scalies. I'm your host, Ludmillanon, and with me are my co hosts, Angron, uh, Lucky Evie, and Stryker. Today is our 34th episode, and we're discussing 2021's Shrek Forever After, so let's get things started. Yep. Now, as I said in the uh, previous episode, um, they had a lot more Shrek movies planned out, at least five, perhaps six, although some reports uh, vary. After the underwhelming uh, critical reception of Shrek the Third, Shrek Forever After was retooled to be the last one in the franchise, and... For the most part, it is a pretty good finale for the uh, actual Shrek series, not counting the uh, Puss in Boots side series or the various spinoffs. And for the most part, I think it's a pretty good movie, although I do know that uh, we are going to have some uh, very interesting, differing opinions in this episode, which we will get to.
1: Yeah, I. Oh, boy. Like I revisited it and like I still find some issues, but. I look back at uh, what I just recently watched and it. OK, it it had a slight edge over Shrek the third. I will give it back. I will give it that.
0: OK. All right. So the uh, movie basically begins with the storybook again, uh, calling back to the uh, first one. And it tells us the story of like the first two movies, ironically. And, and uh, it cuts to King Harold and Queen Lillian going to like a uh, trailer park. One thing that's interesting about this movie is that all the witches in this in Shrek the Third, they look like you know pretty normal people. In this one, all the witches look like the Wicked Witch of the West from Wizard of Oz. Uh, it it is an interesting uh, design choice, and Margaret Hamilton was an absolute uh, badass and a great actress, so any kind of uh, <laughs> tribute to her is more than welcome. But yeah, uh, the King and Queen then stop over to see Rumpelstiltskin and Rumble Stiltskin uh, is the main antagonist of this movie, and thing that's interesting, he looks completely different to how he looked in Shrek the Third. Uh, in Shrek the Third, of course, he had more like a... Uh, he looked kind of... Well, he had black hair, he had like a shorter uh, body frame, he looked more like one of the human characters compared to uh, this version. I he honestly like, looked
1: very tame in Shrek the yeah, Third. Yeah, in
0: that one compared to this. I feel like they didn't know... That they were going to make Rumpelstiltskin the villain when they did Shrek the Third. I feel like if they had that all planned out from the start, they would have not put him in there, or if they would, they would have had this version in there as a little bit of a of a. Sorry, as a little bit of a foreshadowing. And Rumpelstiltskin is voiced by uh, Walt Dawn, who actually was not a voice actor, but was the animation supervisor of this movie. Apparently, his Rumpelstiltskin voice during the uh, storyboard meetings that was so good, they just decided to have him play the part for real. And for someone who is not a voice actor and who isn't really even in the entertainment industry, like, say, Justin Timberlake was in Shrek 3, he is really good in this. He is very natural. He is very... He's sinister, yet, you know, he has a slight edge to him at the same time. For Again, for this being this person's first and... Perhaps only starring role in a motion picture in his life. He did a really good job with it, I have to admit. Uh, especially with how Rumpel Stiltskin is your basic uh, smooth talking deal maker type of villain, which is very unique for the franchise. We had a little bit of that with Fairy Godmother in Shrek 2, but there she was a little bit more um doing it for um her doing it more for like her son and for like, you know, things like that. It wasn't really uh, Rumpelstiltskin, stiltskin, which is more about you know greed and getting whatever he wants, you know whatever he wants, kind of thing, a-, a little bit like Jack Horner, in a way, when you think about it
1: Hmm. yeah it I'm, seems starting, that
0: way. I'm starting to see that,
1: now that you've I mean, that. okay, Rumpelstiltskin, stiltskin, all things considered, mostly just wants the high life. as for uh Jack Horner, he just does it just because. Well, yeah i mean he has good reason to but that's not really a driving factor he ultimately just got he, he that ultimately doesn't drive him he's just a guy who just does what he does because he does
0: yeah i definitely could see that too with the similarity between them also interesting uh in boots uh connection uh, his pet goose, Fifi, kind of reminds me of the uh, giant goose from the first Puss in Boots movie, in a way. Oh, wow. It has like, a almost kind of similar design. I wonder if they kind of took it from that.
1: I so hear anyways, Fifi and I immediately think of that uh, Moon Phoenix from the Dragon Prince.
0: Nah, I think that's too actually. <laughs> nice, nice. Or, you know, Fifi from Tiny Toons as well. It's another oh one. Oh my it's goodness. Just, uh,
1: Fifi Le yeah. Fume.
0: Yeah, exactly, exactly. But anyway, uh, getting back to the movie... Queen Harold and Queen Lillian are basically so desperate to break Fiona's curse, they're about to sign over uh, their kingdom. When a servant comes in to break the news that Fiona's been saved, which of course we now know is the events of the first Shrek, and the montage of the rest of the movies being done is like the book is really cute, especially with how they do like that medieval storybook style, like the first one, which I really do like that they actually called back to the original for the opening of this one with the whole storybook, like medieval carvings kind of thing, as well as like the reveal, of course, that Rumpelstiltskin was doing this in a bookstore the whole time. Pinocchio yeah. comes up and basically, you know, berates him. And then he says like, you know, oh, sorry, little boy. Mom, you want to be? <laughs> that, that is a joke that, yeah, it's like, uh, kind of like uh, the compens- <laughs> it's kind of like the compensating for something joke from the first movie it's a joke that has two very different implications depending on how old you are you yeah. know it is a very very good one in That
1: absolutely holy yeah shit. yeah yeah it of, honestly it can honestly get pretty dark sometimes yeah, in that regard
0: this is the darkest shrek movie easily it they definitely uh course corrected from a uh, shrek the third in that regard because a lot of people complain i guess that it was too you know childish in that well you're not getting that in this movie but we then cut to a uh, shrek's routine day whereas he's become more of like a celebrity than a feared ogre with like a celebrity bus tour stopping at his uh at his swamp and that and it's basically like day in and day out, like his happily ever after gets boring and routine after a while, which And why it, is that you may ask?
1: Because Fiona wished upon a wishing star, and if anyone who's seen Poison Boots too knows what I mean, then yeah, Fiona doomed this movie from the start. That a very yeah. interesting
0: theory. Wow, wow. I did not consider that. If but if that was if that was intentional like foreshadowing it probably wasn't, but Probably wasn't. It I mean, I wish he was
1: probably older than, like, the entire cast itself, so. Yeah. I awesome. mean.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, uh, of course, we get to see uh, Shrek getting listless over doing the same thing day in and day out. Kind of like that one Powerpuff Girls episode with the dad who goes crazy and decides to become a villain. You'll never guess what's for breakfast. Pancakes! I hate my life. <laughs> oh, God. That, that was a classic <laughs> one. Yeah. Oh,
1: man yeah no, but anyway I uh, girls got dark at times
0: yeah yeah they yeah. did they did yeah like, I don't shrek like, you know, shrek. kind of like uh what happens in this movie believe it or not they have an episode that is kind of like this one uh but yeah we get to see shrek getting more and more listless he actually pulls out his ogres wanted poster from the first movie which is a really neat callback that i didn't think they would actually remember that that, oh, yeah, Shrek was, you know, hated and feared by the uh, villagers in the first one and wanted mm. to get rid of him and that. Uh, the ogre babies in this movie, way better than uh, Shrek 3. Granted, oh, yeah, and- Shrek, they only appear in the last five minutes, but even less than that, like the last two minutes, actually. But Okay, I'll go on a limb and you know, say
1: the Shrek babies didn't necessarily bother me in terms of design, in terms I mean, of mannerisms.
0: Sometimes it can be, can be a little it, yeah, yeah, yeah. Here, yeah, yeah. I feel like they, I, I guess, because I guess they're a little older, they gave them a little bit more characterization, or as much characterization as you can give little, little kids in that. And yeah. Yeah. I feel like it works out for the best, you know? It feels like, you know, oh, you actually have a reason to care about them, whereas in Shrek, the Theory, was like, oh, look at the wacky baby. They actually gave it more of a reason to have it. And yeah,
1: absolutely. I, think, a... and I also like that, uh, like the only girl of the of the family, other than you know Fiona.
0: Yeah, Felicia is, yeah. Uh, apparently sort of apparently my... the one that
1: speaks first. Like
0: that it actually nice sort
1: of works. It works since like, uh, Fiona was like one of the only characters that threw a punch in the original movie.
0: Yeah, yeah, it definitely does make sense too. But also, uh, now we get to see, uh, of course, with Donkey and Puss being a part of their life, too. But we get to see Dragon for the first time as she flies Shrek and the family over to where the triplets are having their birthday party. And it's in this scene, you get a scene, you get a, a view of how uh, really large, and I mean large in more ways than one, he he, during this sequence... They definitely added a lot of heft to her design in this compared to the first one. Whether that yeah. was improvement of animation or to show that time had skipped since the first one is unknown. Regardless, Honestly, in this movie, uh, Dragon be thick. Yeah,
1: <laughs> Dra- Dragon put on a lot of mama pounds for, for good oh, reason. She did. She did. Yes, yes, she did.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and the flowing effects, especially with like the uh, first person POV. It reminds me a lot of the original uh, "How to Train Your Dragon." It makes me wonder if they like took inspiration for that uh, from this. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, I, I really did notice that. Uh, I think this is what twenty ten. I think this came out in that brief period after Avatar, where everybody was trying to do like three D in their movies, or to do like you know sequences that would look uh, good in two D and three D. And I think this is one of them. Uh, I might be wrong, you know, feel free to correct me like with the email or on Twitter if you if you uh, disagree, but I think that's what it was. That Shrek Forever After came in that brief window after like Avatar and Tim Burton's Alice in Wonderland where everyone just went nuts for 3D for like a couple of years. Mm. But yeah, yeah uh, the the joke about Dragon, you know, not eating the valet is a good one, and <laughs> it's one that actually took me a couple of viewings to get. It was like, wait a minute, you know. And when I actually got it, it it, it hit me pretty hard. It was a good one, you know, especially you know, with the implications. Yeah. Yeah, and, and especially with the implications of what happened with the first one, which is another tieback to that as well. Anyway, Shrek uh, basically is swarmed by villagers who want them to sign their uh, pitchforks and torches. And one of them says, "Like, oh yeah, I loved it when you were a real ogre." And of course, Shrek gets offended by that.
1: Yeah, and that was not cool.
0: No, not at all, not at all. And then, of course, we uh, get the uh, party sequence. It's a pretty neat one. All the fairy tale creatures try to help, but they all make things worse. Like the you know donkey looking the cake, the three little kid, the three little pigs eating the uh, spare one, and stuff like that. Pinocchio at the uh, animatronic show. That that was all really really well done, and then we get to if you've seen the commercials for this movie when this came out, this guy was advertised all over it. The do the roar kid, he you reminds me, yeah, he reminds me so much of a Cartman from South Park. It's like yeah, me and Clyde Frog gotta see Shrek. I wanted to do the roar. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. But then yeah, Shrek basically gets uh, fed up with all of it and he uh he storms out and he then uh Fiona goes to comfort him, but then he fights with Fiona. He wishes that uh things could be the way that it could be before, which some of that's very interesting. You could actually see this as meta commentary for uh, Shrek itself in a way. Yeah. Shrek yeah, running, well like good. i used to be a feared ogre now i'm just a big green joke you can actually see that compared like how shrek acted in like the first one to how he acted in like the third one and things like that you can definitely see i i think dreamworks is doing like almost a meta commentary about the actual shrek franchise and where it was at this point but then uh. shrek does something that is really out of character even for him for like the you know, Uh, way he is he wishes that he never saved fiona from the tower which really is just a jerk move uh from shrek
1: devil's advocate here for a sec but him ultimately being like uh okay let me think here him being saying that after what he just went through and after a whole long time of him just ultimately having to do the same monotonous thing in and out because of a certain wishing star I can understand how he can be a little pressured into that sort of thing. Which, let's be fair, this is a guy who ultimately ha- did, is was not initially, like, an extrovert, if you will. He was more, like, reserved, hermit-like, if you will. So, yeah, him adapting to change, especially, like, uh, like especially in Shrek the Third and Shrek 2. Yeah, this is a guy who does not take change all that well. No, he does
0: not. Yeah, I can, I can actually see that now, you know, that he definitely would be, you know, the kind of person that would not take to domestic light very well, especially considering for the most part since the, uh, everything basically since the first Shrek, he was a loner, basically. I definitely, definitely can see that. That is a very good point. So anyway, we then uh, have Shrek wandering in the woods. He saves Rumpelstiltskin from being crushed by his overturned, uh, carriage, uh, Rumble Stiltskin invites him in, then Shrek basically laments uh, his life at that point and wishes he could be a real ogre again for a day. Now, Rumble Stiltskin uh, basically then comes up with a contract that removes a day from Shrek's life for him to be a free ogre for an entire day, and Shrek signs it. I will say this comes to uh, this probably also plays into my 3D theory. The world dissolving around Shrek looks really good it is such a cool detail how it like instantly collapses around itself how it becomes like you know black squares everywhere and that with the gold around him it looks like a really cool effect i imagine if it was meant to be in 3d that would be a really really cool part of it
1: yeah i i also th- like to think like that the wood and whatnot looks like uh, a bunch of crows which it kind of threw me off a little bit not gonna lie and also, and I also thought that too Yeah, another thing, I see this, and I, and, like, I'm, now that I think about it, it's a magical alternate universe, like, no, like, not just in the fact that Shrek made the deal and, like, he made, like, an alternate false, quote-unquote, timeline, as it will, as it were.
0: Yep. Yeah, no, and, of course, we find that out later, the true implications of it, but, for now, like I say, I do like the montage of Shrek being an ogre is a fun one. We see how oh. much he enjoys actually scaring people once more. A uh, oh, really yeah. good callback when you know this is the part where you run away, and then he stumbles from- that scene. Yeah, They're yeah, still exactly, like exactly. So- Exactly, and you really feel that this is what Shrek, you know, he wants to do. He wants to be feared. He likes scaring people. He likes, at this point, he's happy being his old ogre self as he was in, like, the uh, first movie before all the events that happened. He then uh, stumbles across some uh, ogre-wanted posters, and then he's absolutely stunned when he sees that one of them is Fiona. Then he runs back to his swamp to find it a completely desolate wasteland. And now we find out that it turns out Rumpelstiltskin may have cheated him, but a group of witches uh, find Shrek and capture him. One of them is voiced by Mabel from Gravity Falls. When I heard that, I was like, I, I know, like, yeah, it, it was, was so weird. weird. Yeah, that checks out. This came out before Gravity Falls, of course, but it's like you can't hear that voice of Kirsten Shawl and anything without thinking of Mabel now. It is really, really a weird thing. But anyway, Shrek wakes up in a cage being pulled by Donkey And of course, Donkey does not remember anything about Shrek or his previous life. We get to see Far, Far Away, which is a uh, complete uh, desolate wasteland. Everyone is downtrodden. And Rumpelstiltskin is now the king. We then get to see uh, something that is very interesting when Shrek arrives in the castle. We get to see a group of ogres basically being slaves in that. And one thing that is interesting, there are more ogres in the alternate timeline than there are the uh prime timeline shall we say
1: and actually that brings something interesting up that i'm gonna cover near the that i'm gonna talk about near the end but honestly it it's very surprising that they It it honestly surprises surprised me when i uh re- realized that either today or yesterday
0: yeah no, i can definitely definitely see that but yeah Uh, What happens is uh, the running gag with Pinocchio wanting to sign one of Rumpelstiltskin's contracts to be a real boy is a funny one. And Rumpelstiltskin then uh, sees Shrek and he taunts him because we find out Shrek signed away the day he was born and thus he never existed. So yeah, this movie turns out to be one of those it's a wonderful life kind of things where someone was never born and the world was worse off without them. It's one of those plot lines.
1: Yeah, I really didn't... I really do not like those plot lines for and, valid reasons. Yeah,
0: yeah, they, they can be overused or something. It's a Wonderful Life is a good movie, but I can definitely see that it's been really overused uh, sometimes. This is a good version of it, though. They did a pretty good job, although... One thing, a gigantic missed opportunity. Something that I, I don't know why they didn't do this. It is such a complete missed opportunity. Something that was so obvious and they never thought to do it. If Shrek never existed, Farquaad never would have died. It would have been really cool if we could have seen Duloc, like him, the ruler of Duloc, like, I don't know, do something cool, like have him be at war with Rumpelstiltskin and far, far away to try and take them over or something. It would Maybe, have been really yeah. interesting because in the timeline where Shrek never existed, Lord Farquaad never would have died and probably would have taken over, you know, Duloc. You
1: know, one another thing that's interesting. Well, two thoughts on that. One, yeah. like it would have been all- interesting to see him and Farquaad, uh, Rumpelstiltskin and Farquaad at odds, like see what that's going on. I mean, to be fair, Rumpel, Rumpel does have a bunch of witches on his side. So that yeah, probably yeah. would have been a short lived battle
0: yeah and oh, no. uh
1: and second thing the whole like i see this i see the apo- the desolation the apocalypse and whatnot and that i don't know it's just me probably but i see this and i immediately make a, a connection to Shimogami tensei which is odd but honestly it kind of makes sense like the chain skulls and whatnot a lot of stuff I, I i don't know it's just me
0: I can actually see that. Yeah, yeah, it does make sense with the whole, uh, you know, alternate timelines and things in that too, which is in a, a lot of different movies as well. And of course, it turns out without uh, Shrek, uh, Harold and Lillian were forced to sign the contract and just completely vanished out of existence because uh, they signed over their kingdom and everything they had to, to Rumpelstiltskin, including their lives. And it turns out that Shrek uh, threatens uh, Rumpelstiltskin, but. Because this is a world where Shrek never existed, as soon as his 24 hours is up, after the day uh, after the day is done, Shrek will completely cease to exist. And this just completely, of course, pisses off Shrek. And we got another pretty cool chase scene, especially with some neat POV of like the witch's brooms and that, which again ties into my theory that this movie was released in 3D or at least is marketed as 3D because it does remind me a lot also of... um of how to train your dragon with the POV shots. Again, maybe yeah. I'm just, you know, uh, reading into this because, you know, DreamWorks, DreamWorks, but it is a really cool sequence. I will say that the uh, the animation as a whole on the Shrek franchise, major boost with this one. This movie looks fantastic. You know, th- this is easily the uh, best-looking Shrek movie, let us say.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, for the most part, yeah, I, yeah, I definitely arts- see what you mean.
0: yeah. Of course, uh, Shrek also saves the alternate universe donkey and Shrek's attempts at bonding with him are kind of funny, especially how, you know, alternate universe donkey is rightfully terrified of Shrek being like an ogre in that. But then we get probably the most poignant moment of the entire, uh, franchise. Well, let's just say the most poignant moment that is not related to the, uh, Puss in Boots, uh, side series. Uh, Shrek, uh, re- is revealed to have had his daughter's doll this entire time and, For the first and only time, I think in the franchise, we see Shrek cry. It really, Mm -hmm. really hits hard. I mean, I feel like that is the moment where we realize, uh, of course, Shrek himself realizes, like, "Oh my God, what have I done?" Oh God, I fucked up. I had a wonderful, wonderful existence, and I threw it all away. And for a character like Shrek to do that, and for a franchise like Shrek which always uh, sold itself as being more irreverent, as being more edgier than Disney and stuff like that. To actually go and have a moment this heartbreakingly sincere and poignant, it works out. It's it's no hallelujah sequence from the original Shrek, but it still is a surprisingly very poignant mm-hmm. moment and whatnot. Uh, we then uh, get to see that... Uh, Rumpelstiltskin, uh, has an exit clause in all his contracts, uh, when Donkey basically goes about his, uh, babbling and whatnot. It turns out that Shrek needs, uh, true love's kiss by the end of the day, and then the contract will be deemed, uh, null and void. Shrek then returns in an interesting, uh, bit of continuity. He somehow manages to get all the way to the Dragon's Keep from the first movie, only to find Fiona long gone there. With her, like I, this, too, is a really another scene that is it really showcases just how desperate this other timeline is. Shrek uh, uh, peels away the curtains to see hundreds of thousands of notches, uh, showing how, uh, basically where, um, how long Fiona was in the castle for. He finds her rusted tiara in that, and it, for the most part, is a really Really, you know, poignant scene, we find out where Shrek realizes, realizes that, oh, my God, what happened to Fiona? Donkey is then uh, kidnapped after being tempted by a plate of waffles randomly in the woods. Uh, Shrek basically follows him, and this is a really cool sequence where we actually get to see, for the first time, an entire colony of ogres. The other ogre designs, I mean, I am, have a mixed feeling about the other ogres. I feel like they're unique, but at the same time, they don't feel as fleshed out as they could have been. I feel yeah, like honest- the touch. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I honestly.
1: I mean, it's probably because orcs and uh, freaking ogres are somewhat the same. But I see this, and uh, I think, what the? And I think why do they have a bunch of orc weaponry?
0: Wow, okay, you said about the orcs that makes me think mm-hmm. of like a Lord of the Rings and that, Yeah, um, I, I know, I'm, asking, I'm well, well. like a Soramon, you know, going to like Shrek of that March into Helm's Deep We must
1: make for the oh, minds of Moria
0: Oh god, that, that would have been awesome we need someone to edit uh, the Lord of the Rings trilogy to replace the uh, the orcs with ogres from Shrek, <laughs> that would be hilarious but yeah, <laughs> that would be
1: the, pretty funny honestly,
0: yeah, yeah But I do like the little detail, like, uh, the trumpet thing that the ogres do with their ears is a nice touch, as well as Shrek actually being the smallest of the ogres, which I thought is very interesting, aside, of course, from, we will uh, quickly find out, uh, Fiona is there as well, but basically the fact that Shrek and Fiona are the two smallest ogres are a really, really unique touch to it, uh, and... Fiona turns out to be kind of a warrior queen to the other ogres. I mean, that's not too
1: surprising all things considered.
0: Not at all. But her appearance here and her having a more jaded personality, excuse me, her having like, um, the more combat ready clothing and that is a really, really interesting one. I feel like more than anybody, I feel like Fiona gets the most interesting alternate universe counterpart, uh, compared to a lot of them, to be honest. But yeah, yeah, uh, The movie then cuts to a Rumpelstiltskin berating the witches over Shrek. Um, This is actually a double reference because he threatens him with a glass of water, which of course uh, is the Wizard of Oz. I'm melting! I'm melting! But it's also a reference to the movie The Untouchables when uh, Mm. Al Capone threatened his men with a baseball bat and when two of them spoke up, he he apologized. Then he whipped out the bat and just started hammering on them. It is a reference to that scene as well. And of course... uh, of yeah. course oh, um,
1: not. I like the scene where like one of them makes an actual good idea and he just splashes them and, and melts and like the
0: water man. and she melts that's of course not a <laughs> bad idea. Exactly. That that shows how petty <laughs> and like vindictive Rumpelstiltskin is. I, I really like that they actually kept with that in this alternate universe. That he's still a petty little vindictive jerk. That that's that oh, what way. I wouldn't
1: give for Cartman. <laughs> Honestly.
0: We do get to see him. We get to see the do the roar kid later on, uh, but we'll get to that. Yep. Uh, Shrek uh, goes into Fiona's tent to try to get, uh, to get her to kiss him again, thinking that will solve anything. But instead we get to see the alternate universe version of a puss in boots. (laughs) And here he is an enormously fat house cat, which means I guess DreamWorks made the Garfield movie um, before this uh, upcoming Chris Pratt version is going to be. Oh, wait, what? I, what? I, I, it was just a joke. Uh, they're going to make a uh, Garfield movie, and Chris Pratt's going to be in it as Garfield. I just made a joke that puss is like Garfield here, but yeah. Also interesting how this is kind of like what happened in Last Wish, where he reti- where he semi-retired at that old woman's house after what happened with um with Death, basically. Well, the bounty hunter who turns out to be Death. I really mm. do wonder if uh, that was an intentional callback to this, but what does Novak know? Shrek's attempt at uh, wooing Fiona, like he did originally, failed completely because this is not the original Fiona from the original timeline. This Fiona is more jaded and cynical. She kicks. She uh, kicks uh, Shrek out. Then uh, we get uh, Shrek to. Uh, Shrek basically gets Puss in Boots to wonder. If uh, Puss has gotten too soft, which he definitely has compared to his uh, badass swashbuckler persona in the Prime Universe, (laughs) then we get something that's Uh, very interesting. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, God. Now I'm imagining him and Morgana. That would be a neat crossover. (laughs) (laughs) How dare Uh, you? Yeah.
1: How dare you?
0: Yeah. But anyway, uh, we get to see the uh, Pied Piper show up in the next sequence. His flute playing is done by a I think William Steig's son and William Steig was the person who wrote the original Shrek, which that is amazing that they actually went and they did that. They actually went through and they did something like that to call back to the original Shrek book, which to be fair, for the most part, the Shrek franchise has nothing to do with the book, but the fact that they honored it with actually bringing in the original creator's uh, offspring into the Shrek franchise That is a really nice touch. I am so glad that they did stuff like that when I found it out. And, of course, um, the Pied Piper basically demanding that he gets paid right then and there. It's a really dark joke if you know what happens in the original Pied Piper story when he didn't get paid what he did. Oh, (laughs) I know what what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. he steals all the children except for the um, disabled one. He steals all of them away. But yeah, him making the uh, witches dance as well as communicating in flute is a really cute detail. I do like the uh, dinner sequence as well, where you get to see how all the ogres get along in that. The uh, one uh, ogre chef, uh, he reminds me a bit of, like, I guess, with his uh, garlic obsession. I'm surprised no one's done a connection <laughs> with him and Wario. Uh, yeah. uh, w-
1: wait, garlic obsession? You mean Shrek and Wario?
0: No, 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 no. Uh, Cookie and Wario. The, oh, uh, hey. Chef. Yeah, yeah. Oh, but anyway, um, yeah. we also got some pretty funny don- uh, donkey antics in this. He actually, uh, He's actually really charming in this sequence, too, for the first time in the movie. Uh, for the most part, uh, in the alternate universe, his reaction a bit more realistic. So it's nice that we do get more hints of the characters, how they um, were originally now, uh Shrek tries to uh sorry, uh Shrek uh, goes and meets Fiona and this is interesting how they bond with each other in this one. They bond with each other over training with weaponry, but Fiona, having been heartbroken for being in her tower for like years and years at this point, is still very hesitant about him. Shrek manages to convince Puss that he is the one for Fiona, but all of the ogres see Stiltskin and get ready to attack him while Shrek t- attempts to get to Fiona. Now, we finally get to see Fiona open up as Shrek uh, uh, tries to convince her that he knows of her secret curse, you know, by day, one form, by night, another, which was in the original Shrek. Another nice <clears throat> detail that they actually used the original uh, saying from that. But she's still not ready, and she actually threatens him of how he knows such a thing. And then we find out that the Stiltskin was a Trojan horse, and turns out it was <laughs> Pied Piper, and they all do, like, a dance sequence, which... It's kind of cool. It's a little silly, but to be fair, it is also really neat how they do with the animation and that, especially of like uh, how they move and whatnot. You can definitely tell uh, how much of an improvement this was from the first one. They have all these unique ogre designs on screen moving at the same time in that compared to like how the first Shrek probably wouldn't have been able to render such a thing. But yeah, uh, Donkey and Puss manage to save Shrek and Fiona and from, uh, from the uh, dancing. And what happens then... What happens then is that um, Shrek finally manages to uh, kiss Fiona for the first time. But uh, nothing happens. And you really feel sorry for her in this universe. Especially when she asks why Shrek wasn't there for her. And um, one thing that is interesting... Is that you do uh, get to see how Shrek realizes he didn't just ruin his life; he ruined everybody else's life as well.
1: Yeah, really set things mm-hmm. things into perspective, huh?
0: Yeah, definitely, definitely. But uh, we get to see all the other ogres chained up in uh, Rumble Stiltskin's dungeon, and but Rumble Stiltskin is still pissed because he needs Shrek, so he decides to bribe everybody in the kingdom to capture Shrek, to get the deal of a lifetime. We get to see basically everybody there um, see the announcement, including, uh, the, Rumpelstil- including um, the Three Little Pigs, Pinocchio, the Big Bad Wolf, etc. And we get to see uh, them all team up to get Shrek. Again, a nice callback to the first one, where they all get their uh, pitchforks and torches out, and they, they chase down uh, Shrek. Kind of like how they did in the first one, but now for a different reason. We then cut to um, Shrek. He basically laments he didn't know what he had until it was gone, and which kind of, of course, was obvious from the uh, first thing, why he got yeah. rid of his uh, good life. We then get to see the uh, gingerbread man appear, and I-, I do like how he's like a Braveheart-esque warrior with like a lollipop spear. That is funny. He tells him about uh, Rumpel's contract, which then leads to a dark joke with Puss eating the gingerbread man, which... Really, really, uh, again, dark, but it's funny in a way. Yeah. And we then get to probably what I think is the funniest scene of this movie, the scene in Stiltskin's castle with everybody bringing in fake ogres, ranging from, like, the three little pigs had the big bad wolf in a phony ogre head to, Jeppe- to uh, Pinocchio bringing in Geppetto painted green to, like, uh, the do-the-roar kid having, like, not, a, not an ogre but a troll Which is very interesting because in the Norwegian version of the Shrek franchises, Shrek is not an ogre. He is a troll. So it makes me wonder how they actually managed to translate uh, this movie. So Shrek basically shows up, turns himself in, and he gets to sign the contract. And it turns out that Shrek, even though he knows that he's not going to live throughout the rest of the day, he actually does something very noble. He doesn't do the contract to save himself. He does the contract to free all of the ogres. But it turns out Rumpel has a loophole. Fiona is not entirely an ogre. And we get to see, finally, a dragon return in this movie. And in this universe, the alternate universe where she never met Donkey and Fiona somehow managed to escape from the castle, she is more of a savage beast than anything else, which is very interesting. It kind of calls back, I guess, to the first one, how she was before um, in Shrek. But it is very interesting uh, how she acts in this one. She acts more like an animal compared to a character. Uh, Mm -hmm. The other ogres show up and attack uh, Rumble Stiltskin's castle in a cool sequence. We then get to what I think is probably one of the more interesting parts of the movie... The part with alternate universe dragon and uh, alternate universe uh, donkey. It's a fun little subversion because we see a donkey and dragon falling in love. She makes like eyes on him. She bats his eyes on that. And you think, oh, she's going to follow him. She leans in to kiss him. And then she just tries to swallow him whole. That is funny. That That is like something that you, you do not expect would happen. It, it's more realistic compared to, of course, what happens in the first Shrek. And it works in the form like, of course, she would do that in the alternate universe. But then, of course, uh, Puss saves Donkey from being eaten by st- by uh, basically poking dragon with his sword. And I love the other detail that Donkey is still in love with her, despite the fact that she literally just tried to eat him. He still has a crush on her now. That that mm. is funny. That that is like again a funny little uh, subversion in that. Anyway, Shrek and Fiona manage to uh, dodge dragon and defeat her by chaining her up like wood cages and chains and whatnot, which, number one, looks a little like S&M, <laughs> But number two okay. is a very interesting thing. The end of the day occurs, and Shrek starts to uh, disappear from existence, and Shrek kisses, uh, Fiona kisses Shrek right before he vanished, which counts as true love's kiss, because the sun's up, Fiona is still an ogre, she has not transformed to a human, therefore she got true love's kiss, the, uh, and the alternate universe now, the alternate timeline is destroyed because Shrek got a true love's kiss. Basically, the contract, of course, is now null and void, which destroys the alternate universe, and Shrek is brought back to the uh, roar at the party. But this time, now he learned his lesson, Shrek basically learns to appreciate the life that he had in the first part. There's a nice detail with him uh, blowing his horns, what he, uh, showing what he learned from the alternate universe, but again... What happened to the other ogres? Although we do get to see them shortly after. So we'll have to talk about that. And the movie ends with Shrek literally closing the book on the Shrek universe, at least for now. And we'll talk more about that uh, in a little while. But it's not a nice touch with the book Puss in Boots being right next to it, which is a little callback, of course, to the Puss in Boots uh, franchise that they would do right after this in 2014 and 2022, respectively. I do like also how the uh, end credits are a little callback to the original Shreks with I'm a Believer playing. We got to see Rumble yeah. Stiltson get his comeuppance in a cage. Shrek parties with all the other ogres, so I guess they do exist in this universe.
1: Oh, okay, uh, you know? okay. honestly, uh, hot take, hot thought here. This, Go in ahead. particular, isn't exactly, like like, this whole ending bit doesn't actually exist. Like the characters from the alternate timeline don't exactly exist here, for the most part. Uh, the other ca- the characters who, uh, like all of this, is just a uh, magical dimension meant to punish Rumplestiltskin.
0: Oh, interesting! Interesting. I yep. I would not have considered it that way. That is like, a very very unique take on things. It's a but- good
1: future time. It's it's a bad future timeline. For Rumpelstiltskin, because of his contractual ways. Like, Fifi gets blown up, uh, he's stuck in a cage, and just, it is beyond wild. It, it it It's honestly a little baffling, but it makes sense the more you think about it.
0: I definitely can see it that it's not meant to be in the same timeline as the original, uh, you know, as the first movie or the AU. It's kind of an alternate timeline in itself. But, yeah, and that basically is it with uh, Shrek Forever After. The uh, the interesting thing, too, is that the end credits as a whole, it it's clips from all the other Shrek movies, which, again, kind of ties into it, uh, wraps it up with a nice little bow, basically. It finishes the... um. It basically finishes the uh, franchise on a nice note, kind of uh, what happened in all of the movies and that. And yeah, that's basically it for um, Shrek uh, Forever After and the Shrek franchise. Uh, there were, of course, spinoffs, Shrek, uh, Scared Shrekless, Shrek the Halls, you had um, Shrek 3D, had the Shrek the Musical, yeah, you had Shrek 3D. Th- those all came before this, but they do kind of exist as their own thing. The last, I think, Shrek thing, believe it or not, Mm. was a version of Michael Jackson's thriller with Shrek characters. They they do like the whole music video, like with the move with like the theater and with like, you know, the zombies and that, including like Zombie Farquaad and Zombie uh, Fairy Godmother, which is a very neat touch in that. But there was going to be a Shrek reboot in development at DreamWorks at one point. It was canceled, thankfully, because, yeah. Shrek is implied to make an appearance again because he did show up at the very end of Puss in Boots' Last Wish.
1: Or at the very so, least, far, far away.
0: Yeah, it is. So it's implied that Shrek is going to show up again in some capacity. And I do hope that there will be a Shrek franchise, a Shrek movie, rather, sometime in the future. Which brings us to our um, question of the episode, oh. which is going to be very interesting. Um, where do you think the Shrek franchise is going to go from here? I feel like the Shrek franchise in a whole is in a very unique place because before Last Wish, I feel like a lot of people thought of Shrek as a joke. He was a meme. He was a joke. It was, it was like something that was hip and cool, but then it became instantly lame and dated. But I think now that Puss in Boots Last Wish had gotten such universal acclaim and, you know, also financial success... We are going to see more about the kingdom of Far, Far Away and in the Inhabitants. Eddie Murphy wants to do a movie about donkey and dragon, and I hope he gets it. I want to see that. I definitely want to see that, not least because it would give us a lot more to talk about with the uh, dragon in this podcast. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's, that's uh, my opinion where it's going to go out. Uh, Angron, uh, what do you think? Okay. Definitely that. I, I want that to happen. But I also
1: kind of want to see some uh, fairy tale diversity hear me out on this like so you've got all the classic german european fairy tales and whatnot and you've also got spanish fairy tales for the most part but you also have stuff like outside of europe like let, let's see here you got freaking japan it'll be awesome to see yokai and like Ooh, maybe momotaro yeah. and all that uh you also got american folktale okay that might be a little bit of, bit of a stretch because at the time uh, america wasn't really discovered but 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 uh other stuff like maybe africa well yeah maybe africa yeah, yeah. egypt like there is a Bunch of stuff to draw from like not just freaking europe you can you can maybe do uh, and russia to an extent which is part yeah, of yeah yeah that
0: but, would be interesting yeah that would be fascinating
1: yeah it would be awesome to see what they do with like other fairy tales from outside of europe like i'm kind of interested to see what they do with the yokai and whatnot because hot damn that looks amazing we also got uh you know another thing that we don't really talk that's not really talked about the mm-hmm. Irish freaking uh Yeah, you know what I mean? Yes, yes. Yeah, like Cú uh just, oh man, just so many things there. You got freaking South America with the four winds and all that. You got Oh, man, you got freaking uh, Mwindo. Ap- apologies for the African pronunciation, yeah, if no I butchered it or all, not. But yep. you got a bunch of stuff there. You got Anansi?
0: Like, oh, my gosh. You got definitely, an entire
1: world of fairy tales to choose from. And you don't do anything with it because it's probably not going to be like in tune with like the freaking uh shrek universe but but honestly i kind of want to see uh, what they do if they decide to implement that i want to see if it works i want to see like help why just stop at freaking uh yokai and whatnot help maybe elaborate more on the spain stuff i mean for crying yeah, out loud, yeah you definitely like definitely. The, you got stuff like the whistler you got the arbor del
0: vampir well, that's so also South stuff. America stuff, too, which is very interesting as well. Uh, yeah, also, also
1: Central America to an extent. Yeah,
0: that's right. Yeah, yeah. But also, like I say, uh, that's all really, really good ideas. I I did not consider that before, but wow, that that is really, really good. Yeah, definitely um, the
1: shark and donkey thing above all else, but
0: if it was kind to of be great to also include that, some that diversity, cool. you know? Yeah. Yeah, that definitely would. So... Yeah, uh, Lucky Eevee, what do you think um, is going to happen with the uh, Shrek franchise as a whole? Do you think that we're going to ever off. get another one? Or do you think that it's going to remain in a franchise limbo for a while? I'm
1: mostly not sure.
0: Okay. Yeah.
1: I mean, if not those ideas, then probably nothing, honestly. And,
0: yeah. um... Oh, sorry. And um, how about you, um, Jordan? What do you think uh, about the Shrek franchise as a whole? Do you think that it's going to uh, basically, uh, in basically, uh, continue on? Uh, just for any listeners, um, Jordan uh, signed on, and um, Stryker basically had to leave. Although we do have his score for uh, Dragon and Alternate Universe Dragon, which is good. But yeah, uh, Jordan, uh, what would you have to say? Is your um, I mean, I wouldn't mind if what, it. What do you would think the Shrek franchise is going from here? Because. I know that the musical did a whole lot more details on Shrek, I kind of like that idea, but I don't, I kind of say maybe it should maybe get a reboot and continue with a more franchise. I mean, it's a good franchise story for Shrek and how all these different characters have come in together and play. Um, I, I kind of say it should get a reboot a little bit, just a smidge. maybe I can, I can, yeah i can kind of see that in a way you know yeah, uh, yeah. I like as long maybe as not a deep... reboot as a whole maybe like a continuation of sorts in a way yeah maybe yeah like yeah, maybe, exactly, maybe exactly. Like, don't pull a gen five uh of yeah MLP. no no mm-hmm. no definitely not that. But... that that is the wrong way of doing yeah, continuation no. i really hope that they do not do this at all okay uh, yeah
1: do okay to be fair the movie what? not too bad and it did do some stuff right but, yeah, the show really wasn't the way to go for that
0: series. Not at all. No, no, no. Okay, and now it is time for the uh, patent-pending Dragonist Scale where he rank the uh, dragons, from, of uh, course, from 1 to 10. Now, this is interesting because we're not just ranking dragon. We're also technically ranking alternate universe version of dragon. And mm. for this movie, I am going to give her an 8 out of 10. Uh, I will cool. admit, uh, right off the bat, she's underused. Could they have used more of her in this movie? Yes. I feel like she definitely should have been something that wasn't just like the final encounter and whatnot. With that being said, I do like that. Even though she's more like a monster in the alternate universe version, I do like how they managed to actually give her kind of a personality. Like her flirting with Donkey only to try and instantly eat him. That, that is a really good joke right there. That is something that I feel is it works out. It's a funny little subversion there. You actually get to see, again, Dragon have a personality despite being more of a monster in the alternate universe. And the prime timeline one with her having a heavier figure, which definitely counts for her high score, let's be fair here. <laughs> yeah. I, but I do like how, even with the short screen time she has, you do feel for her in a way. I really do have to give her an 8 out of 10 as a whole. So uh grown?
1: All right. So mm, yeah, the short time is what puts her down a little bit. Uh but yeah, the time again that she has g- given is honestly pretty adorable. She it still it shows that she's very much part of the crew as it were, part of the crew, part of the ship.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but yeah,
1: that's a, that's a <laughs> But yes, Uh, I yeah, I'm of two minds at this because, again, we have the alternate universe dragon, which, yeah, really was a lot more animalistic and a lot less uh, and and honestly given a lot less. uh, Oh, gosh, I don't know what the word is, but she was snubbed hard in that future. And I do feel sorry that she ultimately got the fate she uh, did, even if that universe ultimately got like erased from existence and she wasn't quote-unquote real but i'm a little of two but uh yeah that sort of characterization makes me feel bad for her and uh honestly those two moments uh also the ending uh are hmm oh man okay i i will say i will say this dragon overall in this movie like when she's like her normal self quote unquote she is pretty great and again she show she shows how uh she's a pretty uh pretty good member of the group all things considered and again i really do want to want to see the idea lud came up with like not only have diversity but also maybe focus a little more on uh dragon and donkey because Dragon has so much untapped potential, and it's a little sad that most of that is squandered. I mean, she does do a lot of great stuff, but to have her just be relegated to, like, the occasional finisher, while great, it's a little mm, divisive. So, for that reason, I am going to give her a 7 out of 10. Not terrible, but it could have been, but there could have been so much, you know?
0: I, I definitely, I can see where we're coming from there. I definitely, definitely have to agree. She's underused in this movie and kind of in the franchise as general, although she does have a lot more predominance than some other Dragnesses we'll talk about in the future. And it'll be interesting to see about the Shrek spinoffs as well to see where she ranks on that. Um, Striker had to leave because he kind of had a little bit of a migraine, but before that he gave us his score, which is an 8 out of 10. He yep. did not specify, but I put that on the dragon scale. Um, Jordan, what would you what? give, a uh, uh, Dragon Aaron and Justin Alternate Universe gives, Dragon in uh, this, uh, movie? Option, uh, opinion on the, on Dragon, like, yeah, she didn't get a whole lot of scene during all the good parts that she should have come in, felt bad that her fate was different than it was before, so I kind of go what, um, uh, uh, Aaron posted, uh, said about his quote on Dragon coming in, uh, Aaron Yeah. So are you going to give her like a 7 out of 10, you'd say? Okay, that's good. And um, Lucky Evie, what are you going to give her? I guess 9 out of 10. All Mm. right, wow, okay. All right, thank you guys so much. Yep, that's right. Uh, Thank you guys so much for listening. If you have any questions, or if you want to uh, compare this movie to It's a Wonderful Life some more, you can (laughs) feel free to email us at fierydiscourse at outlook.com or visit us on Twitter at twitter.com slash fierydiscourse. Next time, we're going to be getting a little bit more obscure as we talk about the 1956 movie, The Sword and the Dragon, a.k.a. Ilya Modemuts from the Soviet Union. That's right. There's a Soviet movie out there with the dragon in it. And it's going to be very interesting to talk about that one. And that'll be a lot of fun, doing something Bye. a little bit more obscure on that. And thank you guys so much for listening. Until next time, take care. Yep. Laters. Adios.